How many of you are excited that he is God? I feel like we should have had an MC jump on the stage and have a break and him do some type of cacaoism. I'd have loved that. Amen, amen, amen. I might have to go back to writing rhymes like I used to, you know, back in the day, show y'all, you know, you know, some hypercatastasis and some similes and metaphors and some autonomies and carrying on, hold a microphone like, all like that. Why the MC, why they always go like, hold a microphone like that? It looks cool. But how many of y'all excited that he's God? Oh, you got to do better than that. He's God. He's God. He's God. He is God. Um, sometimes you, you need that in your spirit when you're going through something and it looks like everything is out of control. Sometimes your soul got to say, wait a minute. He is God. Not what I'm going through. Not who seems like they're bossing me around, but in the midst of everything that you deal with in, in life, one of the greatest recognitions is to be reminded that he is God. Let's stand to our feet. Let's dig in. Great Expectations, number five, uh, Breaking the Faith Barrier series. Great Expectations. Let's um, break in the faith barrier. We are in Haggai. Haggai, chapter 2. Verses 1 through 9. Uh, why don't you read together on three? One, two, three, go. Amen, amen, amen. Today, I would like to tag our text. Today, great expectations for kingdom impact. Great expectations for kingdom impact. Let's go before our God, Lord Almighty. Uh, I am filled with both hefty expectation and heaviness about the necessity of kingdom impact. 
I'm praying, God, that we would be a kingdom community. And I'm praying that you would help us to know what that looks like. Help us to know how to express that reality, knowing that the ultimate kingdom is coming, but we are sneak previews of coming attractions. And so, God, I pray as the church, uh, as we pursue you, that we pursue your higher principles. As you pray, Jesus, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Will the church, Lord God, be an expression of your will being done on this earth to systemically break yokes, systemically break chains, systemically loose things, and systemically bind things. We're believing that you're able through Christ to do that. In order for this thing to have power, I have to be out of the way, and you have to throw your weight around and show us who's boss, God. So, God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust. Help us not to just hear another sermon, God, and say amen, and that was good, and I like the sermon. But, God, I pray that we would become effectual doers and passionate about what you want in our lives that change can come beyond a superficial thrill or a superficial chill but change in our lives and in our world in Jesus mighty name we pray everybody agree with that said amen, amen. you may be seated in his presence one of the things I want you to know that this series isn't about this series isn't about you um, one of the things I want us to be careful of in developing great expectations is if your expectations are only things that bless you, you have low expectations. Y'all not going to talk back. It's an amen in the sermon. I already know. Um, when I'm not talking about you, the amens get quiet. When I'm talking about you, you standing on your feet, waving towels and shouting. Um, but, 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 but it's a blessing when your heart opens in such a way where you begin to have a passion for that which doesn't necessarily monetarily impact you. And so to, 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 to be a kingdom impact engineer, you have to be a sacrificial person. You can't be an individualistic, ingrown toenail that's only concerned about what you need and what you want and what you got to have. But if you're going to walk as a biblical disciple, there are some things, there are ways you're going to pour yourself out that will only boomerang back to you and well done. And, and, and I'm praying that we would have a passion for the well done versus just getting wealth. Somebody ought to hear me right there. And I'm, I'm praying today that we would begin to see this reality of this series in great expectations as we expand this idea of the kingdom. Somebody say kingdom. When we talk about this idea of the kingdom, when we talk about this idea of kingdom, it kingdom, it, uh, my father in ministry puts it well. He says kingdom is God's comprehensive rule over all his creation. God's comprehensive rule over all his creation. And so with there being comprehensive rule over all creation, I want you to recognize this. The church is not the kingdom. A lot of people think that the church is the kingdom. The church isn't the kingdom, it's a part of it, and it is one of the uh, central uh, uh, pieces 
to the way the kingdom is revealed to the world. That's why one of Jesus' first messages after John, he, he took the same message that John said it, and he remixed it and said it the same way. Metanoia for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, change the way you think things should be and embrace my way of thinking in order for my kingdom to come. In order for God's kingdom to come, you got to erase some stuff. Somebody say erase some stuff. In order for the kingdom to come, you have to turn away from what you think good is and turn towards what he believes and understands and reconciles us into the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ of what good is. And so there are several levels uh, of, of this idea of, of, of kingdom uh, where we see kingdom on several levels. Uh, somebody say government. We, 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 have, we have several levels. Let's let, repeat after me. Uh, you, you have uh, self-government, family government, church government, and civil government. All of those are sectors of God's kingdom. Self-government, based on Romans chapter 6, is the reality of the fact that you pursue holiness through living in light of the sanctification that you've been bought with. Amen. Amen to the amen. Uh, 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 um, yeah, yeah, we're going we gonna to build some foundation. In other words, self-government means you take the initiative to be conformed to the image of Christ. That means you're not expecting. Nobody won't come get me. Nobody won't come help me. Nobody won't come. Listen, when you are a believer, I, 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 don't, I didn't understand what it was like when I became a new Christian and for people to sit around with all this Holy Ghost and all this Bible and all this opportunity and, and all of these needs. You, you, when you become a believer, you should have some hunger in your soul to where you want to be different and you pursue mentorship. You pursue discipleship. You pursue opportunities so that you can be conformed to the image of Christ. That's, that's the beautiful thing about self-government. Self-government uh, points over to Galatians chapter 6 where it says everyone should be able to carry his own load. That means you're not so, you're not so hyper-dependent that you're a needy person where you need somebody to carry you through the Christian life and you not pursue the Christian life for your own doggone self. Ain't no amens going to be right here, but we're going to work through it. Um, family government is the second level of government based on Psalm 127 and 128. In other words, the beauty of family government where everybody in the family are in their proper roles because you can't have any type of kingdom transformation without the family being developed well. When the family is in place, everything is in place. That's why before God made a church, before God called it Israel, before God did anything, the first thing he created after, uh, after he created the heavens and the earth was he created the family. We'll get to that when we talk about the family series. So family government. And from family government, we go from family government to church government. That means that the church is the healthy entity that makes sure that the, the people that are in the church that are made up of families begin to be a systemic influence in the world to transform everything from death to life and then from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity and unveiled kingdom to, uh, to veiled kingdom to unveiled kingdom. But then we have also civic government. Whether you know it or not, the government structures of this world are under God's kingdom, whether they know it or not. Help me today. Whether they operate in that reality of whether they know, because the Bible says they are ministers. So whenever someone is either voted in the office or forced themselves in the office, God providentially, 
God providentially allowed for that person to be in office and the way they govern themselves and govern people, ultimately God is going to judge them in the valley of Jehoshaphat and how they executed their God-ordained role. Why? Because government is a part of the kingdom. And so now, now the reality of this reality when we talk about in the kingdom impact is the church is supposed to be a transforming agent in every level of the kingdom. That means you should be a transforming agent in self-government. You should be a transforming agent in family government. You should be a transforming agent, not just a receiving agent in church government. Nobody talk back on that part of two. I told you it's going to be amenless up in this mug. And in civic government, it's not just that you complain about what's going on, but what you begin to do is you begin to infiltrate and make transformation and be put in a position where we are in this country to make demands and protests and the challenge, that which is against God's kingdom rubric through justice and through mercy and through the power of engaging things based on God's way of thinking and God's way of doing things. Amen, preacher. Um, and so this reality is now a part of why I am ferociously passionate about our church being just a cool gathering. I, I, I want us to be, uh, be more than just a cool gathering and we become a Christ-centered, committed gathering of saints who gather to scatter into the world so that our world is different because Epiphany Fellowship was planted. Nobody's talking back to me. It's okay. I'm excited about the opportunity. I'm passionate. I wear a weight all week that I have to shake off by the time I get to the pulpit because every time I look from the block to the boardroom, my soul is, is heavy about the brokenness and the challenges and the frustrations and the hurt and the poverty and the degradation and the messed up and the condemned kind of all of our neighborhood citizens and in this region I am passionate and I am desirous to see a ferocious beast community of people who commit themselves to the glory of God through Jesus Christ to see our city and our world transformed by the gospel which brings me to my first point if we are going to be people who have great expectations for kingdom impact Number one, you have to recognize God wants to shape your view of greatness. <laughs> God wants to shape your view of greatness. Look at what the text says. It says, on the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, to the high priest uh, Joshua, the son of Jehazadak, and to the remnant of the people. Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How does this look to you now? Does it seem to you like nothing in or by comparison? It's interesting that in this passage, the background of this passage is, um, this is the second temple period, and so the temple uh, was destroyed uh, uh, prior to this uh, about a 70, 65 to 70 years before this. And so it's, it's years and years later. 
And God sent the people of God. It's interesting how you see how powerful God is because God called Darius after they were people, God's people were in Babylon. Then we went from Babylon to Persia. And then while they're in Persia, a king came up, an emperor came up named uh, a Darius. And God laid on his heart to let all the people go back to their various places to worship their various gods. And Israel was given the opportunity to go back and freely be kingdom builders again. But only a remnant came back because the people of God were in bondage so long in Babylon and they were used to Babylon. They, 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 they wanted to keep the comforts of what they were experiencing while they were yet in captivity because it was too hard to go back to a broken place and begin to build and build and build and develop in the midst of rubble, in the midst of homelessness, in the midst of hunger, in the midst of housing crisis and, and, and begin to work. But the, there's a small group. There's a wave with Ezra. There was a wave with Zerubbabel and there was the wave with Nehemiah who went back. <laughs> and when they went back, they started building the temple a little something, something, and then stopped because of a little discouragement. And because some discouragement came and some challenges came, they stopped building the temple. <laughs> and what they began to do was they began to build their own cribs. And as they began to build their own cribs, they had nice cribs. Panel cribs, chapter one said. As a matter of fact, it was MTV Cribs worthy. The cribs were so nice. It was fabulous life of worthy at this point. And God said, consider your ways. In other words, how in the world do you have a fly crib, but, but, the, but, 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 the, but the community, the city is broken down? He said, I don't mind you having something nice, but how in the world is my temple desolate and there's no central place of worship and representation of me to go out into the world so that my glory can be proclaimed to the nations uh, so that people can be transformed, set free, and delivered. So the people of God built it to, started building the temple. So when the old heads, there was old heads there that, that were pre-Babylon. These are the old folk. You know what I'm saying? They seen Solomon's temple. You know what I'm saying? Gold overlaid, pomegranates dipped in liquid gold, hung up like ornaments and carrying on. I mean, go back when you get a chance and look at how fly Solomon's temple was. It was a pretty fly temple. Really, really nice temple. Very, very expensive to put together. Um, and, 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 and that's, and, and, but then there was a generation that was born in Babylon and in Persia who didn't know about the former temple. And so based on Ezra chapter 3, verses 14 through 16, they, there was a foundation laid for the temple, and then it was left bare there. But what happened was is when the old heads saw the foundation of the temple, they began to weep. They weren't weeping because the temple was being rebuilt. They could tell that based on the diameter and metrics of the foundation that was being built, it was going to be smaller and less impressive than the first temple. And so what happened is they started weeping, but the young folk ain't know nothing about the old temple. All they know is they were excited that God was going to get glory again. And so they put on their worship regalia and their gear, and they was excited, and they were celebrating, and they were worshiping and praising God, but the older people were weeping. And what began to happen is the Bible says that the worshiping and the weeping was so loud that you couldn't tell the difference between the two. In other, in, other, in, other, in other words, generations weren't in agreement of how to work together in order to be a, a glory, to a reflection of God's glory and honor in order that kingdom impact may take place. In other words, God began telling the old heads, he said, don't ever look down on what I want to use. Don't look down on where I want to do it. Sometimes being in a North Philly, in our makeshift um, 
um, warehouse chopped up and squirrels living in here and somebody said, where? I'm getting out of here right now. The devil is a liar. Um, <clears throat> having to wait the long wait in urban ministry, whether you know it or not, you're in urban ministry. Whether you know it or not, this is urban inner city ministry. And that, that, that means several things. We, 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 things are difficult and take longer to happen. Help me today. Uh, 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 that, that means that there are challenges that, that we experience that people in the suburbs don't experience. Help me today. In other words, churches in the suburbs, oh, we want to build? Oh, let's just build. Oh, we want to get this? Oh, let's just get. Oh, we want to give to Malawi? Oh, let's just get. We had to wait and pull and prime. You know, in other words, in other words, urban ministry <coughs> is where nobody wants to go, but there's a lot of opportunity for gospel fruit. <laughs> and, see, and, see, and see, what God has to do is God has to turn the soils of our hearts to not, to not look down on the opportunities that God has placed us here to do. Uh, let, let me explain something to you. This, this is a, I'm not saying we're better than anybody, but I don't know if a lot of people trying to plant around here. Start church. I mean, most of the, a lot of guys, I ain't put nobody on blast, but a lot of church planters, they want to be in the Northeast. They want to be in Center City, you know. They want to be in Society Hill, you know. They want to be in Chestnut Hill. They want to be in East, East, East Mount Airy. Um, they they want to be in the places in the city or Maniac, like the cool part and meet in the pub and all that, where it's nice and cool and the wood is done. But 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 somebody has to plant among the rubble. Help me today. Somebody has to plant with their syringes that you got to walk past. Somebody has to plant where education is a challenge. Somebody has to plant where, where housing is a challenge. Somebody got to plant where manhood is a challenge. Somebody got to plant around some single moms and some challenges. And where somebody. God said, you don't, don't look down on where I've sent you. And what I've sent you to do. As a matter of fact, I need an adjustment in the house today. There needs to be an adjustment, not just in where you sent, but why you're sent here. You're not just sent here for a word. You're not just sent here to worship. You're sent here for more than what you know. Oh, man, I got to go to the next point. It's just too much to, too much to unearth. But we have to begin uh, by God's grace, to begin to see the maximum value of planting on a coast where 95% of the city is unchurched. 95% of the people in our region do not know Jesus Christ as Savior. That should make you sad, but it also should make you pray. And beseech the Lord of the harvest to send harvest. Matter of fact, instead of praying for the harvest, be the har harvester. Help me today. Anyway, next point. I got to move. Great expectation for any kingdom impact. Number two. <laughs> Involves strong hearts and strong hands. Great expectations for kingdom impact involves strong hearts and strong hands. Look at the text. It says, even so. Be strong, Zerubbabel. That is the Lord's declaration. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jehazadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land. This is the Lord's declaration, and he says work. Somebody say work. This is beautiful because strong here doesn't mean um, work up your own veracity and ability. 
Strong here points more broadly to God strengthening you in the midst of opposition and challenges and fear. In other, in other, in other, in other words, <clears throat> in other words, be, being strong means be courageous. But in other, being strong is not necessarily starting with what's out in front of you, but what's in your heart. Okay, let me let me see if I can make it plain. Uh, let me see if I can make it double plain. It was a dude. He was a good boxer. He looked good in practice. I mean, he hitting the speed back. I mean, look, look nice with it. I mean, he get up, he shadow boxing, you know, doing all like this, you know, a bobbing and weaving. You know, he hit the he hit the bag, poof, you know what I'm saying? Poof, busting holes in the, you know, killing it, right? But money started walking in that ring, and his whole disposition on the inside started changing. Because as great as his training was, his heart wasn't able to get in the ring and execute his skill because his heart was lower than his skills. And so, and so that, that, that's what we need today. We need people that don't just have skills, but we need some people with some heart. Well, why do we need some people with heart? Are y'all still looking at me funny? You know, I follow some interesting people on Instagram. I follow some sketchy folk. I do. One of the people I follow is A.R. Ab. He lived right up, right up the street. And I looked at one of his videos one time. You know, I, I, I get inspired by Philly dudes on Instagram. You know, I don't watch them fights with everybody knocking each other out and all of that, right? Some of y'all, you know, anyway. He's on Instagram, and he, he comes up on, like, this little small block. You one of them Philly blocks where you got you to gotta, you gotta park on halfway on the sidewalk because nobody can't get through. And if you do park further out, they're going to sideswipe the heck out of your car and keep going and not... You know what I'm saying? So he's on the block. It's cars everywhere. You know, dudes out on the block, butter timbed up, Jordans up. You understand what I'm saying? KDs and you understand what I'm saying? No skinny jeans in sight. Manly man block. I'm sorry. Um, bearded out. Bearded out, hoodies on. Dudes over there, I mean, mean, mugging like a mug. Dudes got tats all on their grill. You understand? This wild looking dudes. A.R. Ab comes up on the feet. He said, he, he, he said like this. He said, he said, I hang with killers. I'm hanging with killers, man. I hang with killers, man. I go where nobody go. I go where nobody's going. And you know what I was looking at? We laugh at that. But where we at? Oh, it's going to get quiet on that part. In other words, the church shouldn't be punks. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. I'm by myself. There shouldn't be no block that we not willing to take the gospel on. Help me today. Why is it a missionary can leave here and they can go into like, like ISIS territory? And we'll fund that. Go. You can do it. Listen, walk around North Philly. There's a lot of ISIS around this mug right here. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm going to just tell y'all, I got a chip on my shoulder. I got a chip on my shoulder. I'm not talking about becoming a thug community. I'm talking about being a people that ain't afraid to go nowhere to tell people about the renewing 
power of the gospel that is his arm is not too short to where he can't save the most gully murderous street sweeper holding get in his pocket sagging pants tap on the face shape up from the barber shop negro to get him from spiritual death to spiritual life i just believe am i saying that his soul is better <coughs> no i'm not saying hood souls are better but nobody's going to get them. Time for us to stop playing church. <laughs> Come in here for a word. We need to get out on this block. We need to be strong in the Lord. And the Bible says, and work. So not only does he engage your heart, he engages your hands. I like the way Nehemiah says it in 2.18. Strengthen our hands, O Lord. Oh, God, give God's blowage and strength because I love and I want to see the glory of God coming through this reality as he strengthens us and gives us compounded and necessary grace for what he's called us to do. I'm sick of the school to prison pipeline. I want to see God blow a hole in it. I'm sick of seeing elementary schools in our neighborhood have barely a library, but people are complaining about their literacy rate. But then they'll build a bigger prison and won't build bigger libraries. But then, and this is no knock on Temple, we love Temple, but the city is investing, the state of Pennsylvania is investing over $50 million to help a library be built for Temple. Everybody got quiet on that part. See, let me just tell you something. As a believer, you have to speak prophetically, not pathetically. Why, won't, why would you decrease our, our budget for education, increase our prison budget, then invest in transient populations? But nobody's going to say amen. I ain't trying to stop, but I'm just letting you know right now. When I went into one of the libraries in our neighborhood, I almost cried the other day. When I look at the the transient gentrification in the neighborhood. It got real quiet. When I look at the fact that developers, it's not temple, it's developers, buying up the area and, 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 and the fringes of North Philly still broken, what's the church doing? Are we just going to keep coming to church to get a word? Or are we going to arm ourselves for battle and the partner with entities to help there to be transformation. As we, listen, somebody say, oh, that's social justice. No, it's comprehensive gospel engagement. Because we don't lose the gospel. That's, a, that, that's an outworking of it as we proclaim the gospel. Amen, lights and walls. Next point, I'm gonna be out your way. Next point, <laughs> great expectations for in kingdom impact demands that we notice evidences of Yah's grace. He says, work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. This is the promise I made to you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit is present among you. Do not be afraid. I love that. God has to let you know. Listen, let me just tell you something. Don't just be going nowhere hard. Okay? 
Just say, oh, I want to go somewhere hard. I'm just going to make it happen. No. You got to be sent. You know, make sure you got some holy hands on you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. It, because, because God doesn't promise to be with you where it's hard. He promises to be with you where he sends you. And so, so when we look at this reality of God's presence, it means that when I send you somewhere, don't look at how things are. Trust my voice and trust my heart as my hand opens up doors that cannot be opened. That's the beauty of that. We, we're not here by our own initiative. And you got to recognize that we're not here by our own initiative. One of the things that I, I, I see is, and, and I love, uh, 17 years ago I was, we were supporting a missionary in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. And as we were um, uh, supporting him and sending teams to help him with what he was doing, he finally got um, some Bibles in Amharic, which is his local language. He was excited about that, and he, he got them in his language, and uh, he went to the market, came back, the Bibles were stolen. Somebody broke in. His heart was broken because he couldn't just jump on Amazon and get them. There was no Amazon, and he couldn't just go get them. So in light of that reality, he's fussing with God, and he's angry about the fact that he's gone all through all of this to reach people, and the very tool that he wants to reach people with is no longer there. So he goes outside, and as he's arguing and wrestling, this dude, you know, it's some gangster stuff going on. So money going to steal out your house and then stand outside of your house and sell what he stole out your house. That was gangster. Now he better not have seen anything, said anything, because he'd have been decapitated. So money was out there, you know, selling the Bibles. So people found out that this brother actually understood how to write and read Amharic. He's in an area where there's a literacy issue. So people knew that he was able to do that. So the people that were getting the, the Bible sold to them came to him and said, can you teach us how to read using this book? What am I saying? When God is with you, it's more than the world against you. That's my, that, that's, I want us to know. There's some, let me just be honest with you. There's some stuff, there's a whole bunch of stuff I'm believing God for on steroids for our ministry. I, I mean, I'm believing, no, I thank you for the amen. One amen. I, there's some stuff I'm believing God for that it's going to take God to do. And it's not to fill my pockets. Help me today. It's to fill this community with the glory of Christ. And I wonder, and I wonder, are there any strong hearts and working hands ready to get to work and ready to initiate the process of getting up on what it's going to take to bring gospel transformation to our community? And that's why he says, work. Next point. We're getting close. God provides for print kingdom impact. Look at the verse. He said, I will shake all the nations so that the treasures of all the nations will come and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of armies. The silver belongs to me. The silver and gold belongs to me. This is the declaration of the Lord of armies. What is he saying here? He says in order for kingdom impact to be done, there has to be provision given. God says all resources belong to him. And so no matter how things look, he can shake up anything, bring resources into the hands of his people, and his people give to the kingdom. Not give to the preacher, give to the kingdom. Let me pause right here. Some, I, I, I'm telling you what I'm trying to kill. I'm trying to kill the negative narrative of offerings. 
Because many of us have had such bad experiences with offerings and with giving. Soon as somebody talk about an offering, you don't think worship, you think wolf. And, 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 and we're not a, let me just explain something to you. This is not a wolf entity. You heard Pastor Larry and Sister Harriet for five weeks talk about Malawi. You see us engaging in gospel mission through church planning. You see the things that we're doing in the community. So now let's wipe off the stage. You don't see me driving a Bentley. I don't even want one. I think it's overrated. There you, go. you don't see me driving a Maybach. You don't see me with Rolex watches on. A to the doggone to the men on steroids. I get a church somewhere in America to amen what I'm saying right now. Because all I'm saying is, is we not, listen, listen, it's about first off, your disposition towards the Lord. Some of you are saying, well, I'll get out of debt, then I'll give. No, you need to give now. <laughs> because let me tell you something. There is a principle called sowing and reaping. There are things, I'm not saying you're cursed with a curse because Christ became a curse to become a cure. Boom. So you're not cursed with the curse because you don't give. However, when you don't give, you don't receive, the, you don't get to worship like you're supposed to be as a full body believer. But then you also don't reap the benefits of the way that giving is a supernatural way in which God breaks yokes in your life. And I'm just telling you right now, I could, I'm going to do a series on it, but I'm just telling you right now, worship and giving breaks yokes. Worship and giving Break show. Now, you can act like I'm on some old false teaching stuff, but it's all throughout the Bible and the Word of God. And so what I want to say and what I want to develop in is long-term investment in the kingdom. No matter what, and I'm going to preach through the hard stuff no matter how anyone feels. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm almost in tears about it. I'm going to preach about it. And I don't care what anybody feels about it. To the glory of God, I'm going to be here in this neighborhood. And let me tell you something. We're going to bring kingdom transformation, and we're going to fight against every single evil. Let me just say this. I don't care what your experience with prosperity gospel was. I don't care what your experience with other black preachers were. This is not this house. I can't even finish what else I want to say. But I want to tell you this, I am no longer going to apologize for asking you to give to God's kingdom. My soul has been in anguish about it because every time I mention giving, I can feel in my own soul my own reservations about how people feel. But ministry can't get done without open hands of God's people ministering and giving their resources to the glory of God. And I will die. I will die with my last breath. I will die with my last breath fighting for the gospel to be formed in people's lives. If I give my life and I get shot on a block, if I get jumped, if I get stripped naked, I'll go home to be with the Lord to the glory of God knowing that I'm fighting. I know who I'm serving and I'm going to be free. <coughs> I want to be a free man. 
today. I've been carrying weights for three weeks, walking this neighborhood and prayer walking this neighborhood. Waited, and I'm done. I'm done with feeling this and not giving it to you too. Share my burden. Share my burden, church. Share the burden for transformation. I'm not holding this alone anymore. But we have to be serious about Christ being for Pastor Larry, can you just do an altar call? ask you if you would just bow your heads and close your eyes right now. The beginning of everything that the scripture speaks of and that Pastor E has been speaking about today starts with the greatest miracle that can happen in this world and that is that a person that doesn't know Christ and faces an eternity without hope in what the Bible calls hell, eternally separated from God. The miracle is that God so works in the heart and in the mind of a person that they say, yes, I need Jesus Christ. And so I'm asking today, if anyone here, I want to be clear, not that you're rededicating your life to Christ, but that you know that if you were to leave this planet today, you would not be in the Lord's presence. You're not sure where you would be, but you've heard the message proclaimed. We're about to have communion in a moment that talks about the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He died in your place for your sins, and because he did that, when you receive him, the penalty for your sin has already been paid. And so if there's anyone here that wants to receive Jesus Christ in their life and says, I want to walk for him. I want to live for him. I want my life to glorify him. If that's you, I'll ask you to just raise your hand right now if you know that you need Jesus Christ in your life. Is there anyone here, anyone at all that knows that they need Jesus Christ in their life. They want to, and you're ready to ask Christ into your life even right now. Anyone, anyone at all. Amen.